So he was saying these things to them. Behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hand on her and she'll live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. When Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Well, when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all that district. This is Valentine's Sunday. This is Worship Sunday. This is Matthew 9 colliding together in one massive idea. As I reflected on this, it hit me that culturally we think about love as emotion and feeling and give me purpose and you complete me. And then we see in the Gospels the idea that love is not words that soothe but action that saves. That Jesus literally moves toward a dead girl, a person who, 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 is, who is completely helpless in and of herself. And then there's another woman comes up to him and she needs help. And, and he looks at her and he says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has saved you. So as we begin to reflect on why all that happens, we might look at these stories and go, you know what these stories are about? These stories are about getting people back that we loved, right? Getting people back that died, and I wish we could go there, and I wish we could kind of get them back, and, and, and maybe that's you. I mean, that's me. I want to sit down with my dad, who died when I was 15 years old, left my family when I was a young kid, and he, and he didn't even call me or my brother and let us know he was sick. He just died. We got a call from the hospital. He was already dead, I want to sit down. I want to, I want to get him back for a while. I want to sit down. I want to have a conversation with him and, and say, why did you leave? And, 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 and what, what do you think about God and spirituality and Jesus and what I'm doing? What do you think? We don't get that. And if that's what you get out of the story, we got to go behind the story and go, what is it actually about? It's about the same thing that every Bible story is about and every text is about. It's not about getting people back. It's about what caused this to happen in the first place. And the Bible clearly tells us that the motivating factor behind every story and every movement of Jesus toward people to heal them and save them and restore them is love. That's the point. So this day is about love culturally, about people, loving people and, and giving them gifts and telling them nice words and saying things and writing cards. And, and the Bible goes, no, no, here, here's the motivating factor behind every story you read in the text. Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The motivating factor behind God moving towards you was not that you were great and wonderful and you loved him already and he was like, oh, this is a nice Valentine. He moved towards you when you were his enemy. 
Romans 5 says, when we're in a state where we needed someone to actually move toward us in love. And I know you're in church and you might think, hey, it's pretty normal to hear about love. Here's the thing, I will never forget the woman who uh, lived in my uh, basement suite at our house. Um, she just moved uh, to Toronto um, a few months ago. But I remember she lived there for about a year and she found out what I did. And so she came to church one day. She didn't tell me. She just showed up here. She'd never been to church in her life. Maybe like some of you, just never been to church in her life. And she showed up and she said, you got up and you said that God loved me. And that was the first time in my life anyone had ever told me. And I could do nothing but weep in my seat and weep and weep and weep at the fact that the God of the universe made me and actually loved me. She gave her life to Jesus and we baptized her a few months later. It's a beautiful picture of the love of God. She, because here's the beautiful thing, the thing about love is it needs to be reciprocated. That, that not only does God love us, but he's saying, do you love me? Do you follow me? Do you, are you obedient to me? All right, she said, man, I believe in Jesus. I'm gonna get baptized. We're doing baptisms next weekend. Some of you need to reciprocate your love toward God by obedience to him in baptism because you've believed in Jesus, you've become a Christian, but you've never followed him in that declaration to the world. Now is your time because this Jesus cares in Revelation 2 when he says, Church, you've lost your first love. You've, you, you've somehow waned in your love for me. So I want you to actually love me. Not sentimentally. That's what we tend to do with love culturally. We, we tend to think people who love me are the people who never call me out. They're the people who just let me stay where I'm at, let me sit where I am, never ask me to reorient, never ask me to change, never ask me to repent. That's the people who love me. Nothing could be further from the truth. Imagine Jesus just let this woman and this girl just stay in their situation. Jesus moves toward them and he lifts them up and he changes them. He restores them to life. Jairus, notice, Jairus comes and he goes, my daughter's dead. Can you raise her up? And on his way, meets a woman, probably the same age as Jesus, and Jesus looks to her and calls her what? Daughter. So you got Jairus has a daughter, Jesus has this spiritual daughter, and he's raising from life these people, giving them life back, affirming them, restoring them. Here's the beautiful thing. As I reflected on this story, reflected on my own life and probably the life of many of you, when I was high school, in high school, my life was spiraling out of control. I got pretty heavy into drugs for a while. Um, and we used, I used to smoke anything. I didn't care what it was, what it was laced with. I didn't care. And I began reflecting back on how I ever came out of that world. Because I have a very addictive personality. So, so if I'm going to get into something, I get in deep. And it could have gone very bad for me very quickly. And I look back and I go, who saved me from that situation? Like I remember a night when I smoked enough lace drugs and know what was going on. I was laying on the ground, just putting my face up against the ground because it was cold. And I was just saying, I just want to go to sleep. And everyone's like, his eyes are bugging out of it. He's all sparkly. I don't know what's going on. Let's just leave him. Listen, who rescued me in that time of my life? Who, who kind of put their arm around me and said, I believe in you. I want you to get saved from this life. I want you to go on and do something with your life. Who rescued me in those moments? Because we all have stories about people who came in and rescued us. Who rescued me in those moments? You know who? 
Nobody. I look at a story like this. Jesus himself moved toward this girl and this woman. There was no pastor that saved me. There was no member of a church that saved me. There was no cool podcast I was listening to that saved me. Literally, it was God himself supernaturally with me in complete isolation from any Christian on the planet. And he came to me and rescued me from that. Listen, you're sitting here right now. Some of you vicariously live out your faith through other people. Here's what this story said, that in the end, this is between you and God. Are you going to let Jesus Christ himself save you, restore you? Or are you going to put your faith in him? Not the church, not a pastor, not your grandma, not your kids, not your spouse. In the end, it is you and Jesus. That's it. Who do you say that I am? He moves toward us in love to save us, to restore us, to make us arise in all different contexts in this room. Some of you, you just, you've never believed in Jesus before. And, and the thing that you need to let him come towards you and save you from is from yourself and from sin. And you've never trusted him. You've never prayed to receive Jesus into your heart, into your mind, into your life and reoriented your passions and your treasures and your, your worldview around Jesus. Maybe today is that day where he's going, I'm moving towards you. I'm offering you reciprocate. And others of you, it's not, it's not that. You've been made Christians for a while. It's you, you're lost in some entangled mess of a sin that nobody knows about. Listen, I'm not giving you sentimentality. I'm giving you truth. Jesus still loves you. And he's saying, you've lost your first love. Come back to me. I'm moving toward you. I'm not moving away from you. I'm not giving you esoteric ideas and concepts about how to take a pilgrimage and these paths to a state of, of nirvana and, and enlightenment. And I, I, I'm not giving you soothing words and teachings and concepts that you find in religions and philosophies. That's not what I doing because that's not love. Love is not soothing words. Love is action that saves. So I came. I lived a life in your place. I died for you, rose again for you. Some of you, the sin that's entangling you, and today, that's what you need to give to him. Others of you are lost in shame and guilt and destruction and you need to let Jesus come and save you from those things. And that's what today is about. That's why you are here to worship, to do communion, to respond, to reflect on what it means for God to actually move toward you. And your response. I was watching a, a film the other day and there's this great scene where this daughter wants to go out. Her, the, the, the boy she fell in love with is in danger and she wants to go out and her parents are saying, no, 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 no. If you go out, you might die out there. And the mother won't let her go and she's crying and saying, well, can't let her daughter go. And finally, the father just breaks down and looks at the mother and says, don't you understand? The world moves for love. It stands before it in awe. 
This is the concept of God. I want you, this is love remixed. That the gospel preaches to us and says, let this melt your heart. Let it reorient your life. Him moving toward you and not away from you to set you free. Father, I pray that we would have the courage and the faith to reciprocate the love that you have shown us in Jesus Christ. Those of us sitting here living with shame and fear and guilt and sin entangling us, those of us who are afraid to put our faith and our trust in you, that you would do a supernatural work as we sit here, that we would recognize that at the end of the day, this is about you saving us and changing us. This isn't about the faith of anybody sitting around us. This isn't about Village Church. This is not about me as a pastor. This is about a soul before a holy God in the end with one question, what did you do with my son? Who came, who was born, who lived and healed people and rose little girls from death and healed women who were struggling all as parables to what he wanted to do with you. And what did you do? Did you reorient? Did you reciprocate that love? And did you let it change you so that you loved people not in soothing words, but in actions that save them? Change us. Let us be those people. In Jesus' great name we pray. Amen.